You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, good morning, church. Isn't it nice to be in a building? Isn't it great, guys? Are you enjoying this very much? This is our third weekend here at Thorn Creek, or at, at, in this building. So a lot has happened in three weeks. A lot has happened. We've had so many volunteers, ministry partners showing up to paint, to demo, to do all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it's been very humbling just to observe everyone. You really, you really love the church. Uh, we love, we are the church, but we care about the building, right? So I want you to know uh, you have an opportunity to, to serve today related to the building. After today's service, you know, literally after the, after the message and after the worship is done, we need help because they're going to start putting in carpet tomorrow. And it's going to take three days for them to put in the carpet. So well, there are some rooms where we need to take stuff out so that they have room to put down the carpet. So if you've not helped out, here's your opportunity. So don't, uh, men, don't blame your wife, but that's the reason why you can't help. Don't do that. You can stay and help. Please help. And you can help move some stuff out and get everything ready. That would be, that would, you know, many hands make light work. And it's really fun seeing the church come together. So be a part of that. Let's pray. We'll jump into the message. Jesus, we worship you. Uh, we thank you, God. You're so good and, and um, you're so faithful. And I'm humbled, Lord, as I stand up here on this stage with, of your grace and mercy. And my prayer has been, Lord, as you know it, just to use me. Give me strength. I preached this message two times already. But I pray right now that it's just a fresh anointing, fresh strength, Lord, Direct me, my thoughts, my words. May your Holy Spirit take a hold of me, God. May I say the words that are on your heart to these wonderful people. Give God permission to move in your heart. Just tell him, God, speak to me. Speak to me. I pray that every soul has an encounter with you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way here. Be with our, our, our students, our children, our ministry partners right now, as they're in other rooms right now, and they're talking about you, Jesus. Be with, be with them in that conversation and move in, move in hearts. Thank you for your goodness. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you're just joining us here, uh, we're in this series called Unleashed, and you might see some people wearing an Unleashed shirt and pick up your free T-shirt in the lobby. But uh, uh, we're looking at the book of Acts, and we're going through this phenomenal story of the early church. So today's message is titled, You're Invited. You're Invited. I thought about my dog when I, when I thought about this message. Here's my dog. Um, don't ooh and ah over him. He's not that great. Um, he's a pretty average dog. He's a combination between a, a border collie and a healer, a blue healer. So if you know those two breeds... They're bred to make cows and sheep miserable. That's really what they're bred to do. Um, and he's got, he, he, I believe he knows Jesus, but he's not filled with the Spirit. Let me just put it that way, because his flesh comes up sometimes, and I see the flesh come up. So um, <laughs> he loves to be like petted and all that stuff, but he's just faking it. Don't buy into anything he's doing. Yeah, um, <laughs> my birthday was July 11. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, and uh, my mother-in-law, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. My mother-in-law, she got me, she lives with us, and I love her to death, and she got me a, uh, a gift. She got me a shirt, which anything comes from her. I'm just humbled. I mean, she already, she doesn't have to get me anything, but she lives on a limited income, and, and of course, we care for her and love on her, and she, she, the Lord has given her a great life. But when she gives me something, it just means a lot to me. So she gave me a nice shirt, a uh, college shirt. It's just really nice. And then she also gave me a $25 gift card to Cabela's. That's when you should applaud, right there. $25 <laughs> gift card to a Cabela's. So I'm thinking like fishing lures, and I'm like, that's like either two really good fishing lures, or I can get like four, maybe five fishing lures. I'm excited about the Cabela's gift card, and I put it on, the, on top of the shirt in the dining table. She calls me like 30 minutes later, frantically. She says, Reuben, where's where's your gift card? And I said, well, it's on my shirt. She said, your shirt is on the floor. And she said, right now, Caddy has just eaten your Cabela's gift card. (laughs) Literally, there was a little corner piece. So I had to work through some stuff in my heart. (laughs) Part of me... I'm, I'm just telling you, I want to take him to Cabela's and scan his butt. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know it's in there. Keep scanning. And there's a, another part of me that just wants to be there when he poops it out. And I want to be there like, yeah, doesn't that hurt? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a, so I'm struggling with it. And um, I, I, I love my dog, but not at the level of my daughter and son and wife. They love him and, and care about him. So, but sometimes it's hard to love, love like your pet, right? Sometimes it's hard to love people. Sometimes it's hard to love people. Um, <clears throat> students, I'm going to fill you in on something, and kids, I'll fill you in on something. When you're young and you don't like someone, you just make it clear to them, right? You just say, I don't like you, or I don't, I mean, you're just, you haven't learned, you know, how to be. Adults, they are really skilled with this. We fake it. We act like we like people, but we don't. We have more money now, but we're, we, we just avoid people that we don't like. That's what we do. It's, it's, uh, and uh, am I right, adults? You know what I'm talking about? We're, we, be, we like unfriend or block or don't hang out with them. If you're going to go on a vacation, if you have a day off, you're not going to their house, you know, that kind of thing. And you just push them out of your life. Now, this is not anything new. When you look at the Bible... There's two types of people. There's the Jews and there's Gentiles. All of humanity can be broken up into Jews. I should put Jews on this head. Jews and Gentiles. The Jews are the Israelites, the Hebrew people. They are God's people and God chose to work through them. The incredible plan of redemption for the world comes through the Hebrews. Okay? And then the Gentiles are like everybody else. Everybody else. So you could make a case that in the Old Testament, it's about us and them. You can make that case. And even when you go into the New Testament, you jump into Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, it's still about us and them. Now, everything in there is about the Jews and, and, and he's king of the Jews and the whole message. And even when you get into the book of Acts, when you get into the book of Acts, really the gospel is a Jewish gospel. It really is, until you get to chapter 10, until you get to chapter 10. The book of Acts is written by Dr. Luke. He's the only Gentile author of the entire Bible, and he wrote the book of Acts. He wrote it to this guy named Theophilus, and then he also wrote the gospel of Luke, of course, and 
gives a unique perspective of who Jesus is. When you look at chapter 9 of Acts, chapter 9 is a really interesting story. It, it, you, you're reading about Peter, as in, as in Simon Peter. And, and Peter, if you know his story, this is a guy who was a fisherman, and, and he was chosen by Jesus to be a disciple. And he had a front row seat into the ministry and the life of Jesus. And, and then, of course, he famously denies Christ. How many times, church? Three. Three times he denies him, right? So the guy feels like scum. He feels like I'm a failure. And then Jesus, of course, picks him up. He gives him fish tacos on the beach and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then, of course, he becomes the rock. He becomes the rock, and he preaches a lights-out message in Acts chapter 2, and the church is added. Thousands come to know him. And then Peter, you still see Peter. He's just on this growth development stage kind of thing, and he keeps growing. And in chapter 9, he does some crazy things. Yeah, one thing he does is he heals this guy who has been bedridden, literally paralyzed for eight years. Eight years, this guy's life has been just horizontal, and he's been looking at the ceiling. Peter runs into him, and Peter says, get up and make your bed. It's a great verse for parents to memorize, to tell their kids, get up and make your bed. So he gets up and makes his bed, and eight years, he's been like that, and everybody sees this guy. He's like, gosh, who's this guy? Wasn't he the guy that we never saw because he was always in the house for eight years? Now he's walking around, and he's just normal. That's weird. And then there was this other story about Peter, and there was this woman named Tabitha. Tabitha was really sick. She got so sick that she died. And the story is Peter goes to the side of Tabitha's bed, and, and he says this prayer, and he says, get up. And Tabitha gets up like, from the dead, like from the dead. And she's alive, and she just starts walking around. And there was a funeral service for her, but now she's walking around. And people are seeing this. And verse 42 says this. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. That's not a big surprise, right? When you see a miracle from God, and you see God do something legit, something supernatural, doesn't it get your attention? That's what happened. People started believing in Jesus even more so. And verse 43 said, and Peter stayed. How long? How long? A long time. He stayed a long time in where? In Joppa. This is a little town in Joppa, living with who? A, yeah, what is a tanner of hides mean? So that's where Peter's at. Peter stays in this town called Joppa, Joppa for a long time with this guy named Simon, who's a tanner of hides. So you read that in chapter 9. Now, people came to know Jesus, who was all, and he was there for a long time. And when you turn to chapter 10, there's this new guy that's introduced. In chapter 10, this new guy, his name is Cornelius. Okay, Cornelius, he's a Gentile. He's part of them, right? Peter and Simon the Tanner, that's part of the us. They're Jews. They're in the circle. But this guy named Cornelius is out of the circle. This guy's a Gentile. This guy's a Roman officer over 60 soldiers of an Italian regiment, this guy is different. In fact, in the Gentiles, there were some Gentiles that were fascinated with the, with the God of the Jews. There were some Gentiles that looked at the God of the Jews and thought, wow, I kind of like that God. And they were known as God 
God-fearers, these Gentiles, God-fearers. So they would look at the God of the Jews and say, wow, I really like them. I'm a Gentile, but I'm gonna, I, wanna, I like their God. But they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. But this guy, Cornelius, was a good guy. He gave when he felt prompted to give. He cared about the poor. He was known for that. He lived in this place called Caesarea, which is the capital of the Roman government. Caesarea was about 31 miles away from Joppa, which is where Peter was at. 31 miles. You got Caesarea and you got Joppa. And that's what's happening. So one day, Cornelius, he has this encounter with an angel and the angel tells him, I want you to send people to Joppa to go meet this guy named Peter. Cornelius doesn't know Peter. He may have heard stories about Peter. So he gets a couple of his guys and he says, I want you to go to Joppa, travel 31 miles. And I want you to go to Joppa. I want you to go get this guy named Peter. So I'm going to pick it up. Chapter 10, verse 23. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. Now remember, Peter is a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. Cornelius' friends are Gentiles. Peter's friends are Jews. So these guys come over to Peter's house and they tell him, hey, will you come with me? There's some conversation that happens and Peter leaves and he takes off with his buddies. Verse 24 says, they arrived at Caesarea, 31 miles away, the following days. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So this is like when you have family coming in at DIA or something like that, or they have a big road trip, and you're excited to see them, and you keep looking at the clock saying, they should be here any minute, and maybe you have family and friends, kind of a welcome party just to say hello. So you're looking forward to it. So Peter comes in, and Cornelius sees him, and, and they're kind of all together. Chuck Swindoll said this, the story of Cornelius not only shows the necessity of the gospel, but it indicates that God will move heaven and earth to bring the gospel to those who are ready to receive it. That beautiful? God will move heaven and earth for those who want him. God's a God of love. He wants everyone to go to heaven. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God's a God of love. And he will respond to your faith. If you approach God with an open heart and you, with a broken, repentant heart, and you say, God, I need you, he will respond to your prayer. He will respond to you when he knows you seek him with all of your heart. Verse 25 says, as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. Tells you a lot about Cornelius. Cornelius recognizes Peter's a man of God. And when he comes in in this house, he just gives him worship. He honors him. He respects him. Verse 26 is this, but Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. You know, that one phrase right there tells you about the humility of Peter. I mean, Peter's seen a lot in the last three years. He's witnessed a lot of miracles, and, and now, I mean, God has used him, and he's doing like supernatural stuff, like, like going to a funeral procession and raising, raising this, you know, this woman back from the dead and, and healing this guy who's been you know, bedridden for eight years. I mean, I don't, I've, I've been to a lot of funeral processions. I've officiated a lot of them, but I've never brought anyone back to life. I've never done that. So, so I would think if anybody like, has a reason to have a big head, it would be Peter. But Peter is at this place, he's been on this journey personally, internally, and he's discovering who Christ is, and he's seeing things through the eyes of Christ, and, and now he shows up, and this guy Cornelius, you know, honors him, and he's like, you know, get, get up, <laughs> I'm just another guy, I'm just a guy like you, 
I'm thinking about doing this series in, a, in the coming months called The Other Side of Me. Because I think all of us have another side, right? I have another side. And Peter just recognizes, you know what? I need the grace of God like everyone else. Get up. Don't, don't do any of that. Verse, uh, verse 29. But he says, but, but let me finish that. Verse 28. He says, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And now verse 29 says, so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for, and let's read this bold out loud. Now, don't you find that interesting? Like, like uh, Peter does not know God's full plan. Peter does not know why he's even there. I mean, Peter was over there with Simon the Tanner and and things have happened, and, and now he's in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and he's like, so, so why, why am I here? And when you look at this, I, w- I want you to hear this loud and clear. If you want to know God's will for your life, all you have to do is be faithful and obedient today. Some of you are planners. You have your day planned, your week planned, you have the next five years planned, and some of you become agitated if things go wrong and deviate from your plan. But I want you to hear this. God's plan is better than your plan. Simon Peter had no idea why he's in a Gentile home. And, 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 you, and you read this, and he's like, I don't know why, I don't know what. Tell me why you sent for me. Why am I here again? This gal named Carly Fiorina. She was a former Hewlett-Packard CEO, and she was a 2016 presidential candidate. I was listening to a podcast this week, and there was an interview involving her. She said this, don't get hung up. Don't get hung up on a plan or destination. When you're open to all kinds of destinations and focus on courage, character, and humility, then the right choices will be easier, not harder. When you're, when you're walking and you're thinking, oh, this is the plan, and then all of a sudden that plan doesn't happen the way you think it should happen, you can adjust to the twist and turns because you are connected and abiding with Christ and you're trusting him every single day. So you're not bent out of shape that things didn't go the way you thought they should go. You're just trusting God. Now, I'm going to give you a little secret. God cares more about what's happening inside of you than even the circumstances around you. God cares more about what's happening inside of you than even the plans. He'll take care of everything. When you are surrendered, when you are surrendered to God's will, God will include you in a plan you never knew existed. And it's way better. It's way better. So verse 30 says this, Cornelius, remember Peter says, I don't know why I'm here. And Cornelius says, well... (coughs) Maybe this will help. I'm just going to recap a little bit. Four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. So that's the angel. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers have, have, has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Isn't that good to hear that God sees how we carry ourselves and what we do? Verse 32, now send messengers to Joppa, that's where Peter was at, and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon a Tanner, who lives near the what? All right, let's just 
look at this guy a little bit, because this guy's brought up again, Simon the Tanner. It's really weird. It's kind of like, um, you know, why, why, doesn't, why is he not like Simon, son of, or Simon, father of, or Simon? What, why is he Simon a Tanner? And when you look in the Bible, he's Simon a Tanner. What's the significance? It's like me saying, you know, you're Bob the electrician, or, you know, Dave the accountant, or whatever. Why are we associating Simon and the Tanner together? Let me tell you what a Tanner was during these days. A tanner made leather for a living. Remember, he's a Jew. He made leather. Well, to make leather meant you had to work with dead animals. It involved stripping the skin off of dead animals. It's like when you go hunting and you skin a deer, for those of you who have done it. Like stripping their... But the animals that he would do this with were even those that were the most unclean animals according to Levitical law. The ones where if you touch, you become unclean. So he would strip off these, these horrible, you know, these, the skin off of these, and it was a state of ritual uncleanness. The rabbis mentioned tanners or tanneries in the t- context of other unclean things. And in fact, in ancient Jewish documents, a tannery is the same category as a bathhouse, a restroom, a public urinal. It's one who collects dog poop. It's the same level. And because the stench of the tanner shop was, was, was horrible inside with the dead animals and the blood and unclean animals, and, and it's all on you, it's sticking on you. It's like when you go to, if you've ever worked at a fast food, you come home, you smell like a French fry. This guy, he would, he would just smell and the stench. And they were required to live downwind, because nobody wanted to smell the stench of dead animals. And he's an unclean guy also, by the way. So put him down when. That's why he's living by the seashore. Because the stench of his business goes out into the sea. It's not because he had money to prime real estate. It was just the opposite. They wanted him away as far away as possible. He can use the seawater, sea salt, you know, to, to help clean the, the, all the hides and everything like that. But you are an outcast. You live on the edge, live on, by the seashore, and we, do not, we want you to live downwind from us. That's why. He was the outcast. Someone said it like this. Simon was a socioeconomic outcast. He lived on the margins of society. He was a dirty man in both a literal and figurative sense. Tanners worked with dead animals. The filth and the stench were awful. Just imagine how Simon looked and smelled at the end of a hot day. He would have been the object of social disdain. Almost anyone would have felt superior to him. But Simon the Tanner had joined the Jesus movement. (laughs) and found acceptance there that society never gave him. Mmm, this is so good, guys. This is so good. Simon the Tanner, 
He knows what it felt like to be shunned. He knows what it felt like to smell and everyone else says, get away from here. He knew what that felt like. And there was something inside of Simon the Tanner. There was some transformation that happened. He looked at the disciples of Jesus. He looked at the early church and he was attracted to the fellowship and the community of these Christians. He was attracted to this Jesus. And one day there was this guy named Peter who needed a place to live. And he says, hey, Peter, do you want to come and live with me? And Peter did a crazy, audacious thing. Peter, his whole life, he's learned about being clean and spiritually clean, and he's been going through this whole metamorphosis himself. So when that invite was offered, he said, yeah, I will live with you, the outcast, by the seashore, and I'll smell you every day. We're brothers in Christ. Wow. Everybody saw this. It tells you a lot about where Peter was at. It tells you a lot about Simon the Tanner, where he was at. God reaches out to the outcast. Let me, someone needs to, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at, God reaches out to you. I want, I want you, think about this, parents. Think about this. Um, for those of you who, you remember your kids when they were like babies, parents? Do you remember cleaning up their diaper and cleaning up the poop? Do you remember that, that smell? And do you remember cleaning up? Maybe you've had an opportunity to clean other kids' poops. Did you notice that other kids' poops always smell worse than your kid poops? Have you noticed that? Your kid, I know it smells, but it's not nearly as bad as them. Woo, good night. They're really bad. It's the same poop. It's the, the only thing that's changed is your love. You look at your kids, it smells, but oh, look how precious they are. You look at that other kid, and it just smells. You know what I'm saying? It just smells. God looks at Simon the Tanner, and he says, I love you. Everybody else has shunned me. God says, I love you. But you know what I smell like every day? I can't get this off of me. God says, I love you. And some of you feel what I'm saying? Can you, can you pick up what I'm laying down here? You know what I'm talking about? You say, gosh, I have a smell. I want you to hear this. You smell, and God loves you. Help me out here a little bit. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you smell. Turn to the person behind you. Turn to someone behind you and just tell them you smell. Just let it sit. Don't say anything else. Just tell them you smell. Tell the stranger by you, you smell. You got just let it sit for a little bit. How does that feel? All right, here's the good news. Now tell them God loves you. There's the, there's the other part. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you. I smell. And God loves me. <laughs> God loves you. Some of you came to church and you might have said, gosh, you don't know what, what I've done. I'm unclean. And this, I got smell that's just sticking on me and it's just a stink. I want you to know God loves you. God sees past the stink. He sees past the smell. And he loves you. And he hasn't given up on you. And he cares about you. And he says, you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. You are mine. And I love you. Aren't you glad we have a God who loves past the stink? Aren't you glad? Think about Peter's progression. Peter's this guy who was a fisherman. There was some smell associated with that. And then he's a guy who follows Jesus, and he has this whole journey. And eventually, eventually, his walk with God is at a point where he's willing to live with Simon the Tanner. 
the outcast of the Jews. He's willing to live with him. And it's while he's living with him. And how long did he live with Simon the Tanner? A long time. And then at some point, he is invited to a Gentile's home. Well, he already took a step. He already took a step out of this whole thing. To, to I mean, <clears throat> and now he's going to a, a Gentile. Peter, his whole life, he's been taught one thing. You are superior to the Gentiles. You are a Jew. You are, there's the Jew and there's the Gentiles. Jewish rabbis would call Gentiles dogs. And his whole life, he said, he's taught he's superior. But something has happened inside of Peter as he's grown in his walk with Jesus. He's been dying to himself, and he's learning what it means to live for Christ. And you see that happening inside of him. He's changing. You know, if you surrender yourself to Christ and you live for him every day, you won't be the same. And eventually he gets to this point where he's willing to enter this Gentile home. You know what it's like. Some of you, you might feel a little superior. Maybe it's even related to this book. You might feel like, I know a little bit more than everyone else. Or maybe it's just related to your IQ, and you just feel like, I'm just a little smarter than everyone else. Or maybe it's, it's you, you, you just lean on your relational skills, and you feel like, I can get whatever I want, and I, can, I know how to use people. I know how to get things done. And you just feel like you're a little superior to ever. Where do you live? Oh, I live here. This is where I live. What's your neighborhood? Well, this is my neighborhood. Oh, I, this, that's how you dress. This is how I dress. I'm a little bit better. Be careful because you keep going down that road and there is a word for that in the Bible. There's a name for that. It's called the Pharisees. It's exactly where the Pharisees went. They felt like they were even better, spiritually better than everyone else. You smell and God loves you. <laughs> this last week, I, I went to the liquor store. Just things have gotten really hard at the church and a lot of change and... <laughs> I needed, I needed, you know, just, just a little edge, you know, just to relax from the day and everything. <laughs> no. I went to the liquor store to meet the owner. So I, I walked out to the liquor store to meet the I can't tell you the last time I've been in a liquor store. I mean, you know, I really, when I started, you know, I had a whole other life before Jesus, and it started before I was even of age to buy anything at the liquor store. And I would send older buddies to go buy Stuff in the liquor store. I shouldn't have shared that. Anyway, I, I, I myself wouldn't like go to the liquor store. And then when I got aged, anyway, so I go into the liquor store. And uh, my first thought while I walk in the liquor store was, what if someone sees me? Like if they're watching me right now. I'm like, I'm a pastor and there's certain expectations, right? And I'm like, you know, I, I, I know some pastors think there's nothing wrong with it. For me, I've seen liquor, alcohol, just destroy lives. So I just don't touch it anymore. But anyway, so I walk in and my thoughts are like, what if someone sees me and they're not going to tell me anything, but they see me and, and I walk in and it's like, it's like all foreign and it's weird and it's strange and nothing, I don't know any of it. And I'm like, uh, can I talk to the owner? And they say, yeah, he's, who are you? And I'm, 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 I work, I'm next door. And what's his name, Pedro? Can you go? Yeah. Can I talk to him? Yeah. And they leave me for like, it felt like a, an eternity. And I'm standing in the lobby and I'm like, 
gosh, what do I look at while I'm waiting for him? Well, there's this Jack Daniels. Look at all these flavors of Jack Daniels. And look at this vodka, all this vodka. Those are a nice cup. Yeah, I don't know what to look at. I'm just like crawling down on my skin. I'm like, what am I doing here? Where's Pedro? <laughs> Come on. And eventually Pedro comes out and we talk and he gives me his number and he's surprised that I'm meeting with him because I'm the pastor and all this stuff. And I, I, I feel that and I'm thinking, what did Simon Peter feel like when he was in a Gentile home? When he was like, what in the world am I doing here? But he, he, saw, he saw Cornelius, and he saw someone different. He saw Cornelius, and he got past all of the judgments from the Jewish community. He saw Cornelius and saw something different. Here's our problem. We can be guilty of looking down on the sins of others. We can be guilty of looking down on the sins of others. We could say, you know what, lying occasionally because of work or life, it's, it's, it's acceptable. Oh, but prostitution, that's really bad. <clears throat> Living together to try out marriage, well, that's acceptable. But you know what, the gay lifestyle, whoo, that's different, that's bad. Start ranking sins. Being like blowing it and having being full of anger. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you can be full of anger and that's okay, it's acceptable. But you know what? Murder is really bad. I'm not that. Scripture says all of us have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. We all need the grace of God. We all need the grace of God. Don't look down on the sins of others. You need as much grace as me and you and us. We all need saving. Verse 33, check it out. Cornelius answers Peter, and he says, So I sent for you at once, and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. So Peter's there like, why am I here? And Cornelius is like, I don't know why you're here, but let's just wait. You know, and incidentally, he said, waiting before who? Is it God's or God? That's different already. Gentiles were polytheistic. They believed in many gods. Cornelius is a monotheistic follower. He believes in one God. One God. Verse 34 says, well, here comes Peter. Peter replied, I see very clearly that God showed no favoritism. That's so good. Peter's like everything's coming together in his head. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Oh, what a great word. In every in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Then he goes on. He just unpacks it all. He says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel. He's given them, this is the message for Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began, as John the Baptist, began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing and all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39 says, And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. There's the early church. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. In verse 43, he is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven in his name. Everyone who believes will have their sins forgiven through his name. You know, the gospel is colorblind. We're not. We see black and white and mahogany. We see it all. But we're, we're not colorblind. But the gospel's colorblind. It's everyone. Everyone who believes. It's everyone who believes. Um, I, I, uh, I grew up a Yankees fan ever since the days of Reggie Jackson. And I don't know why, but I somehow watched him on TV once and I saw him Mr. October. But this right here, it's not Reggie Jackson. This is Mariana Rivera. And Mariano Rivera, he's known as the Big Mo. He was the closing pitcher for the New York Yankees, and he just dominated games. He'd come in at the last two innings or last inning or last three innings, and he would just smoke everyone. He ended his career on September 26, 2013. Mariano, though, uh, Big Mo, he's a, he's a Christian. He loves Jesus. He's from Panama. In fact, Greg Jackson just told me last night that he built a church in, in, uh, in New York City area. But, but Mariana Rivera was having a conversation with a pastor in, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Pastor Jim Cimbala, Brooklyn Tabernacle. And, and they were talking, Pastor Jim Cimbala and Mariano, and they were talking about stuff. And, and uh, Mariano asked Cimbala a question. He said, how come the Yankees are more integrated than most Christians, most, more, most churches? And then Pastor Cimbala said, what do you mean? And he said, Nobody cares what color Jeter is or Andy Pettit or me or any other players. They just want to know if you can play. <laughs> he said, but I notice when I go down south, is what he said, <laughs> when I see other churches, he said, they're not integrated. They're segregated. Why is that? Isn't that great? The church, the church should be the place that represents heaven. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every color. Maybe you think, well, I'm not thinking like that. Let me ask you this question. Do you have one of those little Colorado Native stickers on your car? Yeah? You feel like, do you have a hard time when you see Texans driving snow? Let me ask you that. Yeah? Those Californians keep moving over here. You know what I mean? Um, you might think you're just a little. When Grace and I moved here from Texas, from Austin, and we moved to Colorado Springs, there was a major, major blizzard happening during those days. It was like two inches of snow on the ground. So I, I was like, we need cables. So I put cables on, true story, I put cables on, on our, our tires. And I started driving around with cables like clackety, 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 clackety. I mean, through two inches of snow. And I quickly observed that I was the only one driving around like that in Colorado Springs. But I thought, well, I just needed to make sure we don't slide off the road. And that's the last time I ever used cables or chains, like ever. Now I've been in Colorado for over 20 years and I've never used them again. But I, I didn't know. But I, I think about, do, do you, you do recognize, for those of you who, who are proud Colorado natives, that someone in your family immigrated to Colorado, right? I hope that, that connection has happened. Here's what happens. Verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Whew. Even as Peter was saying these things, what happened, church? 
the Holy Spirit fell upon. Even as he was sharing with them who Jesus was and is, even as he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell just boom, just like that, just fell on them all. The Holy Spirit just fell on them. And we don't know, I mean, we, we, we know some signs of that, but the Holy Spirit, now, now Peter knows why he's here. Now it's all making sense. And Peter didn't know. Remember, he said, why am I here? Verse 45 says, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, too. It's like, they're in it, too. I mean, for thousands of years, it's been Jew and Gentile. The gospel is Jew and Gentile. And all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 10, those who were with Peter, other Jews, were looking and they were like, whoa, do I need to call him brother now? Do I need to call him sister? Whoa, they're in now? They're, they're like in, I mean, like all the way in, like all the promises and everything. I mean, they're like, they're like we're going to start eating together and stuff, and we're going to hang out, and they're in it, like they're with us? They're, we're like together? Verse 46 says, For they heard them speaking in other tongues, just like they did in Acts chapter 2, other languages, and praising God. And Peter asked, Can anyone object to their, to their being baptized? There it is. If you're a Christian, get baptized. Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Really interesting. Something was happening in their heart. They believed. The Holy Spirit falls upon them. And now Peter says, Well, the next step is you need to get baptized. We should do that, right? Obviously, the Holy Spirit has come on them. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. And just like this, the gospel is spread to the Gentiles. It happens through this Gentile Italian dude named Cornelius. And all of a sudden, the gospel goes global. It's global. It happens through this guy named Cornelius who receives Jesus. Everybody witnesses. And Peter, the guy who was willing, who had grown so much in his faith that he was willing to hang out with Simon the Tanner, was also willing, God was preparing his heart, was also willing to travel 31 miles to go into the house of a Gentile. He was being obedient to God. That's what happens when you're obedient to God. It impacts other people. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Oh, God, I've done my best to share this phenomenal story, Lord, and give your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I sense your Holy Spirit here. If you need to turn to Jesus right where you're at, would you just say this prayer? Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I choose to become a Christian this morning. If you call yourself a Christian, but maybe you feel like a little bit superior, or whatever it may be, just ask God, God, forgive me. Take a hold of my life. I need your grace in my life. Help me to live a life of courage and humility. Work on my character, God. Change me, transform me. I'm putting my trust in you, Lord. I give you my life. 
I give you my family. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for Cornelius. I thank you for Peter, who was courageous enough to go into the, Simon the Tanner's home and was courageous enough to travel to a Gentile home. I thank you for the day that your Holy Spirit fell on this Gentile and his family. And I thank you, God, for grafting the Gentiles into your love and your grace, into the Hebrew people. Such special people, Lord. Thank you, God, that your love extended to the Gentile, that your love extended past the stink. Thank you, God. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.